I have to admit something. Several years ago, when I was first married, I made one of the big husband blunders. Rookie mistake. Okay, guys, we've been there. You've been there, right? You've made those rookie husband mistakes. We've all been there. Sometimes I'm still making those rookie husband mistakes over and over again. Well, here we were. One of our sons was just a newborn baby, and we went to hear uh, a president speak. And I was all excited because, boy, I'm in the presence of the president, and how cool is that? And, and we got there early so we could be close to the front, and then when the president was done speaking, he was coming down and, and did the whole line shaking hands. And then when he was starting to walk his way down, all I thought about is, they always grab the cute babies. They always grab the cute babies. Photo op, photo op, photo op. So my wife was standing right next to me holding our son. I turned. I grabbed our son. I pushed her to the side. I pushed my way through that crowd. I got to that front row. And the president comes down. I shook his hand. I tried to give him our son, but he wouldn't take him. But he shook my hand, and I was like, I just shook the hand of a president of the United States of America. I was so excited. I turned around. I go, Yes! And I saw my wife, who I pushed behind. I mean, I pushed her out of the way in the crowd so I could get up front. And I realized, oh my goodness, I'm going to be on the couch tonight. <laughs> Rookie mistake. You know, sometimes we are just so overwhelmed with the moment, we miss the opportunities, don't we? We miss what is the most important thing in that moment. And sometimes we get so overwhelmed with the crowd that we lose focus on what we should be walking towards. With our encounter today in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is at the height of his popularity. And he just healed the man with legions of demons that we talked about two weeks ago. If you missed that message from two weeks ago, go to our YouTube page, Impact Pittsburgh, and you can subscribe there and you can follow along with all of our past messages. But go back there, you can catch up with what's going on in Jesus' story right here. He just healed the, that man with legions of demons. He got in the boat. He went back. As soon as he got back to the other side of the sea, this is where we pick up the story. In fact, in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, the Bible says that Jesus got there and the people were expecting him. The crowd had arrived. The crowd was expecting to see Jesus. And there he was. He gets out of the boat and he's just overwhelmed by the crowd. And immediately within the crowd, there's this man by the name of Jairus who said, Jesus, my daughter's sick. Can you come heal my daughter? And Jesus is like, okay. And he finds his way working through the crowd to heal Jairus' daughter. And the crowd, the Bible says in Luke 8, 42, was so overwhelming that it was beginning to crush Jesus. So just imagine, you've seen the YouTube stories or the videos of these overwhelming crowds that you can't even walk through. So much so that you think someone's going to get trampled on and die. You know, there's Black Friday, let's get into Walmart as fast as possible because we want the $800 TV. Yeah, that's what was going on. And there was Jesus completely being crushed by the crowd. You know, in that moment, all this crowd was revealing was all their needs. And there's so much people that were demanding all their desires, demanding their priorities, their time, and their attention to become what Jesus should be focusing on. You know what this crowd really represents? The world all around us. You know, there are a lot of things in this world that represent the crowd. 
we live such crowded lives. We might not be overwhelmed physically by a whole bunch of people, but we are so crowded with ideas, thoughts, opinions, uh, people who want us to do this or that, that just overwhelm our calendars, our agendas. And before we know it, we become so overwhelmed by the crowd in our life that's consuming and dictating what our agenda is. And so often, the crowd causes us to miss out on what is best for something that maybe is just good. And I think we live in a world where we're really challenged by that, aren't we? Just like Jesus overwhelmed with the crowd in that moment, we're overwhelmed with the crowd of our life. That's trying to pull us in every different direction to tell us what our priorities should be. What we should apply our attention to. What should demand our time. And then there we are. There we are just overwhelmed with it. So how do we walk this walk? How do we understand what is right, what is wrong? How do we identify what is bad, what is good, and what is best? That's a tough question, isn't it? Because there's a lot of good things in this world. Layered, by, layered over a lot of bad things. But how do you shuffle through all that to find out what is best? Because I can't allow everybody and everything to demand my time and my attention. So how do I walk through this crowd that's crushing me? Maybe not physically, but emotionally. Maybe even spiritually, I am just being crushed by the weight of this crowd in my life. How do I na navigate through that? We need to identify how to do that. Well, that's the path towards joy. This path towards righteousness that we've been talking about through this whole series. This path towards righteousness is really the path towards joy. How do I find joy in my life? And it's centered around the acronym G joy. Jesus, others, yourself. As you build that out in your life. You see, I need to navigate through the crowd to identify what is best in my life if Jesus is my primary focus. Am I pursuing him? Am I having an encounter with him each day? Am I trying to walk towards a path of righteousness towards him? And then others is second. How am I serving others? How am I putting other people before myself, walking in humility, putting other people's needs above my own needs or wants, and then myself last? But so often in this world, we get so overwhelmed by the crowd because we flip it. We flip it. We make it more about myself then others, and then if there's any time for Jesus, then I'll figure it out. And then because of it, we get so overwhelmed by the crowd in our life that's just crushing us. Because we've lost focus of what is best for things that might be good, but they're pulling us away from what is best. And that's Jesus. Going back to the story, Jesus was making his way through the crowd. The crowd that represents everything that is overwhelming our life and demanding our time and our attention and making our lives just so busy. And just because we're busy doesn't mean we're successful. That's not what busyness means. Busyness is just a sign of a life that's out of control. That's really what it is. And we live these overcrowded, out of control lives because we've lost focus of what is best. What is best? What should be demanding my time and my attention? And that's how I navigate my life. Jesus, others, then myself. 
And when we have a clear understanding of our focus, and when we are willing to be open to the moment, like we talked about last week. Last week we talked a lot about being open in the moment. Don't miss the opportunities, the circumstances that are right there in front of us. Because so often we miss the moments because we allow the crowd to demand our time and our attention and our focus. But there in that moment, Jesus is being crushed by the crowd. People are demanding his time and his attention, and they want their priorities to become his focus. And they're pulling him every which way as, oh, by the way, he's trying to get to Jairus' daughter, who's also demanding his time and his focus and his energy, when all of a sudden, out of the blue, within the crowd, something happened. That Jesus is like, I can't miss this moment. Look, check this out in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 44. In, the, in this chaos, this woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him, behind Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. The Bible says that God's power just poured out in that moment. And the bleeding stopped. Did you catch that? This woman... woman was suffering for 12 years. I think so often we read the Bible and we see God at work and we think because it takes us five minutes to read through the pages that God just did all of his work like that. And then we wonder, God, where are you? Because look, you did that for them, but you're, you're not showing up for me when this woman was suffering for 12 years. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, Jesus works in his own time, and that frustrates me. Because I want him to work on my time. I keep trying to pull his agenda to match my desires. And he's like, no, I got something bigger for you. This woman was suffering for 12 years. So just imagine she's broken, she's hurting. And as we read this, these verses, she went to every person she could possibly go to. She went to all the doctors, all the experts, and no one could help. Have you been there? Seems like the weight of the world is just crushing down onto you, and you go to every person you think of that should have the answers, and they just don't. And you wonder why. And then in that moment, you just start to get so alone, so desperate, and you think, this is it? This is it? And I can only imagine this woman who was suffering for 12 years, broken, beaten down, no answers. She probably got to that moment of emotionally, this, I guess this is it. I guess this is all I got. This is my life can't do anything about it. And then that led her towards the isolation. See that crowd? That same crowd that was crushing Jesus, that was demanding his time and his attention, meant something different to this woman. Because how often are you so overwhelmed with the crowd, 
You are so broken and depleted. You are so desperate for help. And you're in the middle of the crowd. It seems like you're in, the, you're in, the, you're in a fast-paced moving room. Everyone's pushing for their own agenda. And there you stand in the middle of the crowd and you feel so alone. Does anybody just see me? Does anybody see what's going on here? And sometimes we can be in, such in, the, in the middle of the crowd yet feel so alone. That was this woman. That was this woman. And I wonder how many of you are right now. You're hiding it pretty good. But you're in this crowd and you're thinking, I am so alone. I'm hurting. I'm desperate. No one has answers. And here I am. You see, isolation plus brokenness equals desperation. And that's where this woman was. She was completely broken. She felt completely isolated. And she was completely desperate. And when we get in that moment of desperation, it pushes us to the brink of doing something that we never thought we'd do. Unfortunately, sometimes it pushes us to the brink to make bad choices. But this woman... It pushes, pushed her to this brink of doing something she never thought fathomable. She was in the middle of this crowd. Everyone was pushing. And she's just thinking, woe is me. I'm, not, I'm nothing compared to anybody else. But there is Jesus. I got to get through this crowd somehow just to touch him. All I want to do is touch him. And maybe, just maybe, something might happen. I got to get to this man. And she fought her way through the crowd. She went through the extremes just to touch the cloak that he was wearing. See, how do you navigate through desperation? How do you navigate towards it? Because all of us oftentimes find ourselves in moments of desperation where we feel hopeless and beaten down by life. And we may be in the crowd, but we feel so alone. And in that isolation and, and brokenness, we find ourselves completely desperate, just like this woman. And what we do in those moments matters. It either leads us down towards a path of more brokenness, or it leads us to a path of victory and freedom. This woman saw Jesus... He became the focus of her attention, and she couldn't do anything but fight through that crowd just to try to touch him. Just try to get a hold of him. And sometimes, my friends, we have to fight through the crowd, the noise that just overwhelms us in this world, the crowd that beats you down in your life, that just festers and, and, and grows in your mind. You have to fight through that. The influences that pulls your attention to see Jesus. Just reach out to him. You know, in the Old Testament, God said this in Psalm 50, verse 15. And call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Do you see that? Call on me. Just reach out to me, and I will deliver you. Jesus, my friends, is our deliverance. He showed this when he healed people and all the encounters that we've been talking about. And there's so many more that we would even get to in this series. He showed his ability to deliver when he calmed the storms, when his disciples were so fe fearful of the storms that they were facing. 
And he, he showed his deliverance when he went on that cross and walked out of the grave. You see, my friends, desperation becomes determination when we adjust our focus towards Jesus. And so many times desperation beats us down and we're not able to be determined to move forward because we focus on the problem rather than Jesus. And I get that. It's a lot easier said than done. I understand that. But in some way, like this woman, we have to fight through the crowd to run towards him. Because he is deliverance. He's freedom. He's the healing. This woman, she found her determination when she saw Jesus. When she saw him. And she just knew, this is it. This is it. I have to get to him however possible. I have to get to him. Because he's my only way. It's all about who has our focus. The problem or the maker. That's Jesus. In every encounter, we see something happens when they encounter Jesus. Something happens. Transformation occurs. The power of his deliverance occurs when they just encounter him. When we just encounter him. That's why we talk so often about the need and the importance of each of us having our daily encounter with Jesus. Just being in his presence. The Bible says just be still and know that I'm God. But so, so often because the world just crowds us and demands all of our time and attention. As soon as we wake up, it's go time. And we never just be still and know that he is God. And if you just slow down, all that stuff will take care of itself. You, slow down and just be in his presence. Encounter him. He will have an encounter with you and you will experience something you would never believed possible. And I can't explain that to you. You just got to experience it. You got to experience it. For 12 years, this woman was beat down with her ailment and no answers. She could have easily, and maybe she did at times, allow the, 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 the uh, desperation to defeat her. She could have just focused on the problem and be swallowed up in the emotional distress and just said, this is it, this is my life, I can't do anything about it, so let's just live this as best as we can. But she changed her focus from the problem to Jesus. And at that moment, everything changed everything changed she came up from behind him and she just touched his cloak and the bible says immediately she was healed and guess what no one noticed it no one saw but jesus experienced something too in the middle of that crowd, in the middle of all the pushing, in the middle of all the craziness, Jesus just stops. And verse 45, he says, who touched me? Who touched me? Could you imagine you're in this crowd, you're trying to fight through the Walmart crowd to get that special on the DVD or whatever it might be, right? They don't have DVDs anymore. Whatever they got, right? But you're fighting through the crowd and all of a sudden you just stop, who touched me? 
And everybody starts to look around. Jesus, do you see this crowd? A hundred people touched you, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, this crowd is crushing you. Even they're all kind of saying that. And Peter even then speaks up himself in the following verses. He says, uh, Jesus, what? Um, Jesus, I, I hate to break it to you, but a lot of people touched you. Okay, Jesus, a lot of people touched you. That was actually Peter, verse 46, 46 in, the, in the following verses. He said that, what, what, Jesus, don't you get it? He said, the crowd is just large. You, you, there's people all around you. How are we supposed to know who touched you? And she says, no, 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 no. I know somebody, someone who's in desperate need, Someone who needs something touched me. I, he says, I just felt the power go out from me. Jesus knew. All she does, she just grabbed his cloak, grabbed his coat, and he knew. Can I tell you something? Even in the chaos that is your world, Jesus sees and values you. He sees and values you. The crowd, this woman felt unloved, unvalued, and broken. But in Jesus, she found her value. Beyond just the physical healing, she found her value. Someone needs to hear that today. Because we live in a world that just crushes us. But you need to hear right now, you are loved. You are valued. God created you specifically. And you may feel all alone and broken in this world, in this crowd. But know the God who created you, the God of this whole universe, sees you and he values you. Know that. This woman experienced that in this moment. She felt valued. In verse 46, Jesus said, someone touched me, and I know that power has gone out from me. I just know something poured out in this moment. You see, when we reach out to Jesus, he pours out his power for us. That's what he does. He desires to give you what he has. And all he's waiting is for you to reach out to him. And when you reach out to him, he pours out himself to you. And in that moment, something happens. And we see this all throughout the Bible. We see God pour out his power for those that just simply reached out to him. Romans 8.31 says this, For if God is for us, who can be against us? I know in this world... When the weight of the crowd, it seems like it's us against the world. It seems like we're just so beaten up and broken that no one is really on our side. Why well, have something to tell you? Don't believe that lie. You have a God who loves you, who values you, and is always on your side. Always on your side. Even when others fail you. And let's just be honest. Others fail us. This woman... Think about it. For 12 years, the Bible says she went to all these different people and no one could heal her. I can only imagine how she felt. Everybody just keeps failing me. Even the people I thought would come through for me, they let me down. 
I couldn't accomplish what I need them to accomplish. And maybe you're sitting here today and you just feel like, I feel so broken because of the people in my life who just let me down. Maybe they meant it, maybe they didn't, but still they let me down. And sometimes some of us have a bad taste in our mouths of the church because people in the church have let us down too. And can I just be t tell you, we're not perfect people. We're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. We're all going to be let down by someone. And at times we may let somebody else down, whether we meant to or not. But God never, lets, God never fails. He never fails. And this woman experienced that. That when she ran towards Jesus, no matter, even though the crowd was all against her, was keeping her away from Jesus, she fought through it and she realized, God is for me. And he's for you too. Going back to Jesus' question, who touched me? The Bible then says that this woman, she was listening, everybody kind of, Peter say, Jesus, how in the world could we possibly know? And this woman began to realize, I'm not going to get out of this. She just wanted to touch him and then hide in the crowd. She didn't want to be noticed. She didn't want to be seen. She just wanted to touch Jesus and get back into the, into the, into the dark. And she realized, I'm not getting out of this. He's going to figure out who touched her. And then she began to share her story. What's been going on for the past 12 years. How she's been struggling. How everybody around her let her down. How she had to fight through the crowd. You see... She realized, I have to be real with Jesus. But her affliction was so personal, so deep, so real, so raw, that she didn't want to go to Jesus directly. And sometimes we are so broken, our emotional scars are we're beaten down. It's so real and so raw. We don't want to be noticed. We don't want to run to Jesus. And because of that, we struggle with fully feeling and experiencing what he wants to do for us because we'd rather stay in the dark rather than coming out. And letting talking to Jesus. Or finding someone who would just be there for us. You see, deliverance happens when we are honest. When we are real. When we let the darkness come out and experience the light. That requires authenticity and transparency. You don't have to be authentic and transparent with everybody. But you better find somebody. You better find somebody. And you better be authentic and real with Jesus too. Because the more in your hopelessness and brokenness, the more you isolate yourself, the more you'll live in desperation, and the more the chaos and the crowd will just crush you. But when you, like this woman, just fight through that crowd and say, I need someone to talk to. When you open up and you're real, the light will shine out the darkness. We see that in the Bible. I've seen it in my life. And you can see it in your life too. But you have to be real. But so often we hold back from being real, from being authentic. Maybe because we're embarrassed. This woman, I'm sure she was embarrassed of what she was struggling with. I'm sure she, it's a private matter. She was embarrassed. And so because of that, maybe that held her back sometimes. And maybe because we're embarrassed of what we've done or what we're struggling with or wrestling with, it holds us back from just... I need to talk. I need a safe place to talk and be real. Maybe, let's be honest, sometimes we get a little bit too prideful. We don't seek help because we think, you know what? I don't need it. I can do it myself. I don't want people to know. 
that pride will destroy you. It will destroy you. Or maybe you hold back from being authentic and transparent because of how other people failed you. Just like this woman. She was showing something that was so personable, so personal and, 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 and broken by it. And she was failed by so many people. I bet she was like, I don't want to fight through this anymore. I don't want to be failed again. But she fought through it. This all goes back to what is your faith in? Jesus said that if you have faith just as small as a mustard seed, you can move the mountains. All it took was for her to grab his cloak. What we put our faith in defines our existence. It defines who we are. You see, our faith is molded by what we believe and what we trust. That's what molds our faith. What has our focus? And so often we're crushed by the crowd of this world because we put our faith in this world or what we think is right. And we've lost focus of what is best. And that's Jesus. Our outcome is defined by what we put our faith in. Luke 8, 48, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Your faith. Your focus. So how do we adjust our focus to Jesus? How do we fight through that crowd? Let me wrap up with these. Because faith is not a stagnant thing. It's action-oriented. It's moving. James wrote this in James chapter 4. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see here, James provides the, the ability and the path of how do we fight through the crowd to walk towards Jesus, to adjust our focus from the problem, to adjust our focus from the crowd towards Jesus. Do you catch it? First of all, he said to submit yourselves then to God. Submission is that scary word. We don't like that word. You know why? Because we, if you're like me, you want to be in control. You don't want anybody to tell you what to do, what to say, what to think. You want to be in control of yourself. And the idea to submit is saying, uh-uh, I'm not giving my control over to somebody else. Can I just be honest with you? Someone always has control over you. Something always has control over you. You determine what that is. And so often we allow the weight of the world to crush us because we've given the world permission to have control of our lives on our calendar, on our agenda, on our time, on our focus, and on our emotional status. But when we submit to God, it also means resisting the devil, pushing that away, and running towards him. The next key that we see there is encounter. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. That's why having a daily encounter is so important. Make it a daily effort that, you know what? I'm just going to stop and just hang out with Jesus. I'm going to read the Bible a little bit. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to him. Whether it's five minutes or an hour, it doesn't matter. Make that habit in your life. Create that habit. Experience his presence. And the next thing was purify. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, wash your hands. In other words, there needs to be a physical purification that happens. 
Sometimes we mess up because we allow our bodies to get into things that we should not be getting into. And also there's a spiritual purification, purifying my heart that is focused on him, which starts with what has control of my mind and my thoughts. What happens in your mind dictates what goes on your heart, determines what steps you walk. It all starts here. It starts here. What has your focus? What has your focus? It all is in the walk. Which way are you going to go? I know the elephant in the room is, well, wait a minute, Bill. If we have enough faith, then Jesus will just kind of wipe away every problem I ever face, right? I will never have problems in my life if I just have enough faith. Can I say that's not biblical at all? Not at all. The Bible never says Boy, if you just have enough faith, then you'll never have any problems in your life. Not true. Because if that was true, then you got to have some answers with all the people in the Bible who went through a lot of serious problems, like Job, like Moses, like this woman. The reality is this. We'll have difficult days. We'll have things that don't go our way. Life is never promised to be easy. What God promises is that he'll always be by our side. His heart, his desire is to lead us on a path towards righteousness. Every time, every circumstance we face is an opportunity to guide us towards a path of righteousness. Which path are you going to walk? That's the question. Every day God has a desire to have an encounter with you. Slow down. Have an encounter with him. Adjust your focus from your problems to him and see what he can do in your life. See the freedom that he wants to give in your heart. Walk towards him. Fight through the crowd and experience him in a whole new way. God loves you. God values you. Just run to him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for how good you are. Lord, in this moment, we seek you. Lord, in this moment, we just long for you. Father God, I know it's so easy to allow the crowd that is the world that demands our time and our attention and our focus. It just seems like it's just crushing us every day, emotionally and spiritually, sometimes even physically. But Lord God, in that crowd, in that moment, help us to adjust our focus to you. To move away from what is bad towards you. To move away from what might be good to what is best. And that's you. And Lord God, in the middle of the crowd, in our brokenness, may we not become isolated. But may we find who we are. May we find our value, our worth in you. Lord, you are good. And you are ever present. And you are always there. We love you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. It's the name of Jesus. Amen.